This is the Jason Walker Show. Two-time National Sports Media Association Montana Sportscaster of the Year and three-time loser, the Jason Walker Show. The best local and statewide sports coverage featuring the biggest guests from Montana. Flint Rasmussen uh, joining us here on the Jason Walker Show. He's freaking exhausting, too. You used to dance a lot more. Yeah, I know, lady. I'm 51 years old now. The NAI Hall of Famers Mike Vendis joining us here Jason Walker Show. And is it just a deal where quarterbacks have to be good golfers? Well, that's all they have time for. They don't work out. They don't lift weights. They don't do anything else. They might as well go get on the golf course and at least have some fun. And from across the country. Doug Gottlieb, our guest here on the Jason Walker Show. End of the day, remember, it, it's your show. It's got your name on it. Howie Mandel, our guest here. Jason Walker. Deal or no deal. The Jason Walker Show. Broadcasting from the Major Mortgage Man Cave. Here's Jason Walker. Hey, happy Thursday. The Jason Walker Show presented by Capital Collision Center inside the Major Mortgage Man Cave. And we have a big, big show coming up today here inside the Major Mortgage Man Cave. We are going to check in with Mark Adams, former Rocky basketball coach, current ESPN basketball analyst and get his thoughts on what it's like to broadcast in a COVID environment. Plus, he's got a book and a new scholarship, an endowment named after um, him. He'll explain uh, coming up. It's uh, going to be a great show. That's coming up here in about 15 minutes. Uh, in just a couple of minutes, we'll check in with Trevor Funseth, the mop. The Cinderella story continues for Montana State Gaming is it's awesome, and uh, we'll also check in down at uh, Fort Worth with Becky Christensen Mapston uh, and get a, the thoughts on uh, the breakaway roping that wrapped up today uh, for the first time national finals and much much more. All coming up. Uh, your Montana COVID update. That's how we start uh, each day, and it's uh, presented really without comment, just the numbers. 779 new cases, 70,892 since March. 781 deaths, 488 currently in the hospital. There are 17,117 active cases, 52,994 have recovered. Those are your uh, numbers for COVID on this Thursday, December the 10th. You can watch on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Also listen live on treasurestateradio.com, Podbean Network One Sports. Go to jasonwalkershow.com anytime. And you can tweet us at jwalkersports, email us, jason at jasonwalkershow.com. Uh, we're going to start, before we get to Trevor Funseth, um, some disturbing video, um, really. And it's not, I don't know what's going to happen to this dude, but if anything, he needs to be arrested. I mean, we talked about a player assaulting an official last week, right, down in Texas and uh, how he was arrested for a Class A felony, Emmanuel Duran. And we talked to Amanda Outwell, sports director down in Edinburgh, Texas, about it on Monday here on the Jason Walker Show. Well, check this video out from Florida from a youth league. What is that? Did you see that? They'll show it again. Yeah, they'll show it again. Um, that's a coach hitting a player 
twice. Twice. In a uh, youth championship league. Um, the kid can't be much more than what, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, watch this again. Watch this again. Hits him once, right in the side of the head. And that's a punch, my friends. That's not just, you know, Woody Hayes grabbing a helmet or Bo Schembechler. And then he, he barks at the crowd and then goes back and hits the kid again and knocks him to the ground. Uh, he should be arrested, and uh, like it said there in the comments, and banned for life. That's just unbelievable. So he issued an, uh, an apology. Um, this is nuts. So it's a 7U, or it's the 9U head coach. 9U head coach. Here's his weak attempt at a uh, an apology. Everybody has seen the video, and everyone has something negative to say. You know, I'm going to apologize for my actions about what took place, but at the end of the day, I am a man, and I'm not going to make no excuses for what I did. I was wrong. I shouldn't have disciplined him in public. I should have waited till he got back to doing what he did. At the end of the day, I apologize to him, the kids, the city, down here, and my family back at home. I do apologize. There's no excuse for my actions. You know, I hope, well, he forgave me and his parents have forgiven me. So nobody else should be bashing me. Thank you. That's a, that's a pretty weak attempt at a uh, public apology. Um, <laughs> I mean, seriously, what was this dude thinking? So it was the Savannah Gators 7U team from Georgia. Apparently he's the 9U coach. They were down in Kissimmee, Florida. Man. And an investigation is underway, as it should be. And the dude should be arrested. I don't think he should. There should I mean, why are they waiting this long to arrest him? They arrested the football player last week, Emmanuel Duran, down in Texas. Immediately. Now, like he sa- he says, um, I, I, ex- I ain't going to make no excuses for what I did. I was wrong. I shouldn't have disciplined him. Hit him in public. I should have waited till we got back. What, are you going to beat his ass somewhere else? I mean, seriously. His parents should sue him. He says that the par- he forgave him and the parents forgave him. So there's no excuse for the bashing. No, there is. You beat a kid in public. I mean, the NFL took care of Adrian Peterson for a few games. And that was in the privacy of his own home. This is in public. This is on video. Dude needs to be arrested immediately and barred from coaching any sport ever again. You don't hit kids like that. Jackass. All right, let's lighten the mood here on the Jason Walker Show on this Thursday. Uh, Nicole just got a comment on Facebook from her. 
Um, as a coach myself, there's no such thing as an apology for that. It's flat-out assault. The child's guardian should seek legal counsel. Amen. You're absolutely right, Nicole. The the dude should be in, in jail. Uh, keep your comments coming on Facebook, at Jay Walker Sports, and more. Go to Jason at JasonWalkerShow.com for email. All right. Uh, so last night, unbelievable. I'm following along. I'm, I'm waiting to get the results. So last night was the Fatal Four, the semifinals of the College Gaming Championship with Barstool Sports. And there's a team, the Cinderella team from Bozeman, Montana. Four kids from CMR. Three that play the game, Call of Duty. And Charles the Butler. You've got the mop talking smack on how they were going to take down Seton Hall. And the Cats did it again. Cinderella, the shoe is still fitting perfect. And to join us now to chat about the win and a kind of subdued celebration is once again Trevor Funseth, the mop, joining us on the Mike Miller State Farm Hotline. First off, man, uh, congratulations. Uh, we were just chatting, and you didn't think, I mean, take me through last night. It's like a buzzer beater again for you guys. Yeah, so once again, extreme underdogs, and we actually played really well um, for the first half of the match, and we were leading, and then they passed us going into kind of the end of the round, and we thought it's pretty much over. They took a fairly good lead at the end. And then buzzer beater, as time expires, we had an incredible game, finished up and ended up beating them by 10 somehow, some way. I mean, this is unbelievable that you guys are a 14 seed. And really, it came down to you last night. And I saw the, the highlights and showing some of them now. Um, but th- you were clutch. Yeah, I, it, I, I told them in the interview, it's what we do. We're the most clutch team in the league. I don't. The pressure doesn't get to me. I, if we're in a final game, I play it like I would play any other game. Uh, subdued celebration last night. Was it because you didn't expect to win? Yeah, we. I mean, we really didn't. Uh, we're going to roll with it now. We we pulled all sorts of celebrations out, though. I had my pants off at one point. <laughs> it was a wild night. <laughs> you took your pants off? I mean, obviously nobody well, could sure. see, but... No, I'm sure you saw the video last week where I ripped my shirt off. Yep, yep. And then, so this week, you know, everybody in the chat saying you got to take your pants off. So I did rip my pants off, but I had golden boxers on underneath them. So I'm always prepared for the moment. You are uh, the man. The mop Trevor Funseth joining us here, Jason Walker Show. All right, another upset last night is GCU Grand Canyon knocks off the top seed Notre Dame. The overall number one seed is gone. Um, does that help you guys a little bit or does, does your mentality change at all? I mean, we were definitely expecting to face Notre Dame, but whoever we're facing, you know, we're going to play our game. We're going to do what we do and we're not going to worry about what's going on, on the other side. So we've got these Grand Canyon guys or the underdogs once again, but I'm not sure that means anything anymore. We're just going to play our game. Uh, your video last week, your hype video was pretty cool. You guys, where were you? It almost looked like Little Bear Road where you're out shooting the guns. Yeah, uh, we were out right by Lincoln, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, and so now we have to come up with something this week to trash talk Grand Canyon. We've got a few ideas in the works, but we'll I see what we come wait. up with. Uh, the, the 
celebration from the guys that come in while you're talking to the two announcers. I mean, everybody's just super jacked last night. I mean, I I, I was following along as best I could just because I knew that we were going to talk today. And I, I, I told you last week, you're going to be on again. You didn't believe me. Yeah, and here we are. And, yeah, those are my roommates. But, I mean, I, I can't keep up with my Twitter right now. Just thousands <laughs> of comments and DMs and tweets from people way more famous than me saying they're rooting for America's team. It's really, this has really gotten out of hand, honestly. It kind of has. Uh, Trevor Funseth, the mop, joining us. Some of these guys, uh, so, uh, celebrities, who, who's tweeted at you? Uh, my favorite one so far is Scott Hansen from NFL Red Zone. Nice. <laughs> This is awesome, man. Um, you guys yeah. didn't expect to even be in this situation, but you've been riding the wave. You've been riding the Cinderella story. Um, this is just this is just really cool. I, I mean, Christmas is going to be awesome with your families now because you've got something to brag about over your everybody else. Well, nothing to brag about yet. We haven't won anything yet, Jason. So I'm I'm not celebrating at all. We got we still got a match to go, and nobody remembers second place. That is very true. Do you? Uh, when is the match? Is it next week or in two weeks? Uh, should be next Wednesday, same time. Next Wednesday, five p.m. Mountain on uh, Twitch. You can go to uh, Barstool, right? Is that it? Yep. MSU. Yep, Barstool Montana or Barstool. Barstool Sports. Montana, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's the college gaming championship. I know you're going to be busy scouting GCU. I mean, the Lopes, the Cats. The, does anybody know what a Lope is besides an antelope? And we're good at shooting those things down, right? You know, they're kind of really an unknown team, but they're down there in Phoenix, and two weeks ago we already beat one Arizona team. So we're scouting them out. It seems like they have one really good player and two that aren't so great. So we're actually thinking we can handle them, but we'll see what happens. Well, man, I, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to chatting with you next week after you become a national champ. And I know I don't I'm, – I, I'm, I put the pressure on you last week. I'm going to do it again. But let's not have a, a heart attack buzzer beater. Let's just clean up, get it done. Let's just knock it out of the park early next week. Okay, the, the odds are against us, but I, I really hope we're talking next week. And we would love to – I mean, we could bring a national championship to MSU this week, which would be incredible. That would be awesome. And uh, I believe it would be the 13th overall. Not that they'll claim it at MSU, but – it would be the 13th overall national championship in school history. I mean, if we win, I'm sending email after email, phone call after phone call, <laughs> making sure there, it's hung up somewhere. Get us a banner. I like it. We hang it in the field house, and we have a big celebration next year uh, in front of, like, Cat Grizz or something like that. Yeah, you, you can help me get that through. I, uh, I will definitely help you, my friend. Take care. <laughs> we'll talk next week, and uh, good luck, my man. And keep those fingers going. Keep don't don't strain anything this week. Make sure Charles is helping you out, and uh, we'll talk next week. All right, thank you very much, and we'll, we practice every day. We practice till we puke. There is no stopping the grind, and I'll see you next week. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's 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 gaming. I don't even game anymore. Like, and I never played Call of Duty, but these kids are just wiping up. There's four kids from CMR. Three that play the game, and then Xavier Pace, who is Charles the Butler. Um, oh, my goodness. Follow uh, Trevor at TP Funseth on the Twitter. It's a great follow. Uh, make sure you go to Bartstool Sports and then Twitch TV next week, Wednesday, 5 p.m. Mountain Time, the championship. 
Montana State, and Grand Canyon University. Oh, it's going to be fun. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. The Jason Walker Show is presented by Capital Collision Center. Montana State Law said is a, uh, says it is your vehicle. It is your choice where you have it repaired. We'll talk to former Rocky coach and current ESPN basketball analyst Mark Adams next here on the Jason Walker Show. New vehicles keep coming, and Capital Collision Center keeps earning certifications to repair them. They're Helena's newest GM-certified facility. No matter the make or year, they repair your car to manufacturer's standards and requirements, maintaining its safety and value. Montana State Law says it's your vehicle, and it's your choice where you have it repaired. Choose Capital Collision Center, certified in GM, Subaru, and Nissan, and Helena's only shop certified in Honda, Acura, and Ford. When you value safety, go to Capital Collision Center on Euclid. Have you thought about buying a home and just don't know where to begin? Well, when it comes to one of the most important purchases one can make, we understand it can be frustrating and confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Let the Major Mortgage Team help you with all your mortgage needs. Major Mortgage means major service, and we would love the opportunity to help you today. Give J.R. McFadden, NMLS number 1246357, a call today at 406-465-1918. Or you can visit him at 2001 11th Avenue, Building A, Suite 3 in Helena. Major Mortgage is a division of AMCAP Mortgage, NMLS number 129122, equal housing lender. Who doesn't love being number one? When your team's dominating the standings, or your favorite band rocks the charts at number one, it feels good, right? Kind of like how it feels when you have auto insurance with State Farm. Because making you feel like number one is an honor your local State Farm agent takes seriously. Through the good times and not so good, your State Farm agent's proud to be here to help life go right. Call State Farm agent Mike Miller in Helena today. Storewide savings is what you'll find when you shop for new home furnishings at Rockers Furniture. This means tremendous values on Helena's largest in-stock selection of home furnishings. When you shop Rockers, you'll find storewide savings on the furniture you want for every room in your home. And you'll also find our selection of Serta iComfort, the most comfortable beds in Helena. 12-month financing is available with approved credit on most purchases over $299. Ask for details. You'll find storewide savings at Rockers Furniture, 1010 Dearborn, Helena. Welcome back to the Jason Walker Show. Welcome back, Major Mortgage Man Cave, Jason Walker Show, presented by Capital Collision Center. This segment brought to you by Rutgers Furniture. Make the quality choice for your home at Rutgers Furniture, 1010 Dearborn, Helena. So to come from Dallas, Fort Worth, we'll check in on the NFR and uh, Breakaway Roping National Championship with uh, Becky Christensen Mapston. Rebecca will join us coming up uh, here shortly. Also on this day in history and the walk-off before we get out of here. All right. So Rocky Mountain College is a rival of everybody in, in the Frontier Conference. They are the only team, men's side, to win a national championship in the Frontier. Bill Drykos and getting that done 11 years ago. But Rocky had struggled for a long period between the 60s, 70s, and early 80s, and even the late 50s, if you go back that far. But then a guy came in by the name of Mark Adams and completely changed the culture. And he joins us now on the Mike Miller State Farm Hotline to chat about an endowment, his book, and 
What is it like to broadcast basketball games in a COVID environment? Mark Adams now on the Jason Walker Show. First off, uh, congratulations on being able to do a little bit of work. And I, I'm excited about asking you some of these uh, questions I have. But I want to start off with how have you been? Because we haven't talked, I guess, since March when everything got shut down. You know, the last time we talked, I was on my way to Fort Worth, Texas, to call the American Athletic Conference Tournament. And on the morning that I was supposed to broadcast, that is when Rudy Gobert, uh, you know, came down with COVID. The, the Ivy League canceled all their games. And next thing I knew, I was trying to figure out a flight to get home. And, you know, Jason, life hasn't been the same since. I mean, for, for all of us, right? And and I'm fortunate to still have my job at ESPN. I just did five games, 11 days. In fact, I was on the road for all of those 11 days. And Jason, I got to tell you, I bubble wrapped myself. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm becoming more like my dad. You know how your dad would go on the road and they'd drive everywhere? I drove to Kansas City from Ohio, which is nine hours, and then another couple hours to Wichita, and then 12 hours home. I got home at 4.30 in the morning on Monday. And, you know, I just had bags of food and stuff and coolers. And, and I even took an Xterilizer ultraviolet ray lamp with me that I would set up in my room and then radiate the place for like 30, 30 minutes and then come back in. And I had a safe haven inside the hotel. So, you know, uh, it's just what we have to do. And, and I love my job and I'm willing to do it. But I decided I would drive everywhere I need to go. Now, fortunately, I'm sitting here looking at my new broadcast station that's set up in my office right in my backyard. I built an office in my backyard and I'll be doing most of the games from home now remotely. Have you done any remotely yet? Because that's just intriguing to me and I'm seeing it done at all levels from, you know, all sports. And it's just, it's very different. It is different. Now I've done remote broadcasts from studios. I used to go to Bristol or down to Charlotte and on occasion I would be down there to, to call games from the studio in this case, I have my own studio now right here in my in my home office. I haven't done a game yet, but on the 22nd, I've got Tulsa at Memphis, and I'll be doing that uh, right here from home. But, Jason, it's, it's really interesting. I've done it for the last four or five years now, some remote broadcasts, and the, the difference will be I will literally be by myself. Before I was with my play-by-play partner, we would generate our own enthusiasm. Uh, you've got to kind of get into your own routine. I mean – I still stand for the anthem in the pregame. Uh, I used to always give my, my play-by-play partner an arm bar before we start to get him kind of fired up, you know, to get <laughs> yep, physical yep. with him. And, uh, and I just generate my own enthusiasm. I mean, I love college basketball, as you know. It's an honor to be on ESPN now my 22nd season. And I won't have any problem getting into games even right here in my own backyard. Well, that's uh, that's even better. Uh, what's it like in this COVID environment, Mark, to broadcast – uh, from a place that's empty, there's you know there's no fans. You're not really. I, I don't know if you've been courtside or like a lot of the guys stuck up in the in the rafters. But what is it? Yeah. What is it like? Well, first of all, it really hit me at Wichita uh, when they played the national anthem because Wichita is the only place where first of all they sell out every game. It's it's an unbelievable uh, environment there, and there were no fans. And, and the difference was Jason that in Wichita is the only place I go to where all the fans actually stand and sing together the national anthem. They don't bring in people to sing it. They do it themselves, and it's so wonderful. My, my son is a captain in the United States Army up at Fort Riley, Kansas, and so it really hits my heart when I hear those 10,000 Americans in full throat singing the national anthem. And that really hit me at Wichita. 
uh, ESPN has protocols in place that we adhere to. So when I go to an arena, I'm masked. Uh, I get to my broadcast booth, which has to be a minimum of 25 feet away from the court. And so typically I'm in the second tier of the arena, uh, which actually is good for me because it separates me a little bit from the game where I, I'm an X's and O's guy and I'm defensive. I have, I have defensive vision would be the best way to describe how I call a game because I'm always thinking about why something happened. And so all the video that I watched over the years as a coach, it's really a better vantage point for me to truly break down the game. And then the other difference is, Jason, that I'm, I'm literally between 15 and 20 feet away from my partner. So once upon a time, I, like I said, I'd give him an arm bar or I could, I could uh, send him a note as to what I want to talk about next, you know, things like that. Right. Yep. Uh, obviously, that's not possible anymore. But the way we're set up at home now, for your viewers, this is fascinating. Uh, off air, I'll be able to talk to my play-by-play partner during live action to tell him what I want him to set me up with. I can also talk to my producer, which is normal. You know, I always do that. But, but there's ways I can talk to my statistician to get that information off there as well and also ask for all the replays that I want. So it's definitely a different environment. It's a more, it's a more technical environment because, you know, I've got to know which buttons lead to what, right? right. <laughs> and and, it, and it's literally done all on Zoom calls. We're, we're literally going to be on Zoom calls, and I've got several monitors where I've got different camera angles that I can watch on the different monitors. That is awesome. Honestly, I mean, uh, I'm a little jealous now. My studio is pretty basic. Uh, he has a college basketball analyst for ESPN, Mark Adams, our guest here, Jason Walker show. You mentioned Fort Riley, Kansas, and your son. Uh, my son, Bob, is actually working with a Blackhawk crew. He is stationed at Fort Riley, Kansas. Really? Uh, as we, yeah, he's, uh, he's coming home in a week, but that is where he's been for the last year. We may have crossed paths. I actually stayed with Jimmy. We quarantined together for four days before Jimmy went back on base on Friday. And then Jimmy invited me to come on base because it was spouse's weekend. And the spouses got to go and fly in the Apaches. And I got to see the drones flying and landing and stand next to a drone. I got my picture next to an Apache. We actually did it on ESPN. We showed it on ESPN. And uh, it actually made... The the, uh, the brigade's uh, Facebook page, as a matter of fact. So oh, wow. so I, I'm big at Fort Riley now, Jason. <laughs> you know, I'm a rock star there, man. But it was so much fun, and you should be very proud of your son, just like I am. The, mm-hmm. the, the level of professionalism, they're buttoned up, they're squared away. I mean, I was blown away by the level of, of professionalism and the level of service uh, that, that all these young men and women give to us. And, of course, your son, like mine, We'll be going to Europe on the next rotation together. So uh, I'll have to ask Jimmy if he knows your son. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll ask Bob too because that's uh, that's pretty cool. So how old is Jimmy? Jimmy's uh, twenty eight now. Okay. Uh, he graduated from the University of North Georgia, commissioned, and so now he's he's in charge of Echo Company. He's he's the commander of Echo Company. All right, I will ask Bob if uh, if he knows uh, knows of Jimmy, and that's that's awesome. They can hang out. I mean. We're a small cool. world, yeah. right? <laughs> it is. It really is. Sports is a small, small world fraternity. Yeah. Um, Mark Adams, our guest here, uh, Mike Miller, State Farm Hotline. I wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of things before we talk about what I really reached out to you before. Um, the Maui Invitational was played in North Carolina. Um, yeah. How weird is that? Well, whenever Bill Walton does a game, it's always weird. <laughs> 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 Very true. And I love him. Yeah, you know, I, I enjoy I, I enjoy listening to him 
some of the time. Other times, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm on some some crazy Jerry Garcia acid trip or something, <laughs> and I've never done that before. So it's interesting to experience it, I guess. But it, it was unusual. But, you know, these are unusual times, and at least we have basketball. I've told so many of my colleagues and other coaches that every game is a great game. Any game that we can play is a great game. And I'm just so thankful to ESPN, for example. They test me every week for COVID. Uh, I, I have a, they ship a, 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 a in-home COVID test to me. I test every single week. They, every precaution they can make to keep me safe, either by broadcasting at home or in, in the case earlier, I was traveling some. Uh, they've done a, an excellent job of that. And I'm so grateful that ESPN has been flexible, not only with the game sites, with people like me as well to help keep me safe, and, and it's a great company to work with. Did you see Coach K's uh, comments the other day about, well, you probably did because you're a college basketball guy yeah. and you're super smart, but he said that maybe we should, why are we playing right now? Maybe we should wait until the vaccine comes out, push it back to May Madness or even June Madness, but you can't not have the tournament, but there's got to be a better way. We're seeing so many games canceled right now. Uh, what are your thoughts on Coach K's comments? Well, first of all, let's look at the facts. Uh, every night, 80 to 85% of the scheduled games are being played. And there are people who, who are being exposed to COVID, uh, and, and that's across the country. However, I will say this, knowing the protocols that the, that the student athletes and the coaches go through and that I go through just to call a game, that we're probably in the safest space that we can be in that if you cancel the season and players go home, there's there's a far greater likelihood that more people are going to get sick uh, from that. Is that. That's my own personal opinion, mm-hmm. and I don't want to politicize this in any way. That's just my, my, my opinion. And while Coach Krzyzewski, certainly we, we should all you know respect his opinion, I respectfully disagree. And the reason I disagree is because we're literally playing in empty arenas these student athletes are tested three times a week and typically tested just before game day to make sure that everybody on the floor is, is negative going into the game along with me and, and other personnel that are in the arena. And these arenas are huge and we're spaced out to where we don't have any contact. So I don't think playing college basketball games is the problem. I think that folks that, that don't wear a mask, they don't distance, they don't take it as seriously as I do so I can do perform my professional responsibilities, you know, that's the problem. And, and again, while I respect Coach Krzyzewski, I think that the players are in a much better environment, a much, much, much more safe environment because of the protocols than they would be if we just sent them home. Interesting. I like, um, yeah, I love your opinion. Um, ESPN college basketball analyst Mark Adams, our guest here, Jason Walker show. All right. So I reached out to you the other day because Rocky Mountain College reached out to you and basically um, starting uh, started an endowment in uh, your name with the Rocky men's teams when you coached in Billings, but from 82 to 85. This is kind yeah. of a cool deal. So uh, congratulations, and, and take me through this. Thanks, Jason. I mean, I hope I don't, like, get emotional when I start talking about it. It's just – you know, so we talked before, and, and you know Marissa, my, my niece, and, mm-hmm. and she was, uh, you know, cancer survivor, thriver now. She's doing unbelievably well. And, you know, Rocky, I've, I've had a special connection with Rocky since 82, 85. And to give your listeners a little bit of historical background, Rocky hadn't been to the NAI tournament 
since 1951. They had gone through 17 consecutive losing seasons. I was hired as a 25-year-old head coach. The way I got the job was that it paid $15,000 a year and nobody else wanted it. (laughs) That's how I got the job. And, you know, we went on a three-year run there where we end up winning the District 12, the NAI District 12 championship. Now, let me put that into context. There were almost 600 NAIA schools during that time. Only 32 went to Kansas City for the national tournament. So think about that. You know, I mean, now we've got 350 Division One schools and 68 get to go to the NCAA tournament, you know. So, uh, so it was very, very special. I had such a wonderful group of guys. And, you know, we, we end up losing to Fort Hayes State, who won the national title in a very competitive game in the first round of the NAI national tournament. And it really is, is one of the most special memories of my life. And it's, it's a special memory for all the, the young men, and now we're all old men, you know, and, and we got together in 2019 for my induction to the Rocky Mountain College Hall of Fame, which only took 34 years, by the way. So I wasn't exactly, I wasn't exactly the first round draft choice, you know, of, of, of Rocky Mountain College, but, but eventually I made it. And what happened was, is that that weekend, Jason, it was just surreal. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, to reconnect with my guys, we had stayed in touch over the years, but to reconnect that weekend and Rocky saw it. They, they saw the, the, the president, you know, Heather in, 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 um, in, in the uh, development office. They saw the culture that we had and how special our relationships were. And so Jimmy Clark, who played for me from Hamilton, Montana, played for me in the 82-83 season while we were turning the program around. He called me about a month ago and said, Mark, we have an idea. We'd like to start an endowment scholarship uh, in your name. And the first thing that came out of my mouth, Jason, was, but Jimmy, I'm not even dead yet. <laughs> that was my first, first response. He goes, well, you don't have to be. I said, well, that's good. You know? So, so anyway, we thought about it and I said, look, uh, I'm, I'm honored, but I wanted to honor our era. I, I want to be named not just for me, but from, but for the 1982-85 championship battling bears endowment scholarship. And so we named it that. It was just announced this week that we're starting the endowment and people are starting to already, you know, make donations that uh, it can go. You can write a check to Rocky Mountain College and then earmark it, Mark Adams uh, Endowment Scholarship. You can also go on rocky.edu uh, slash giving and you can make a donation there. Same thing. You just got to earmark it for the Mark Adams Endowment Scholarship. And it's just a tremendous honor. But the other thing is I've been reaching out to players and they've been reaching out to me is that this isn't just about the scholarship, which will go to a men's basketball player. The best exemplifies the grip, the perseverance, the determination of the Batland Bears from that era. And the, the great thing about it is that now with, with the scholarship that will be in place, uh, that we don't want it to just be a scholarship. We want it to be a family that reunites every year. And so we've made a commitment, all of our players, coaches, everybody, uh, either over homecoming or during the summer, whenever we – just want to go out and have a beer together. We're going to get back to Billings, Montana, and we're going to celebrate together every single year because Jason, you know, Bill Breeding, who played for me, was a seven-foot-two All-American, was drafted by the Utah Jazz, passed away almost 15 years ago, and Bill's the one guy that we've lost from this team so far. And, you know, one thing I've learned in life, it's finite, and I want to enjoy every second of it, especially with these special guys. 
And so if you remember that era, if you were part of it, if you were one of those crazy fans in the stands as we're kicking Sioux Falls' ass to go to Kansas City for the first time since 1951, think about supporting this scholarship. Help Coach Drykosen and the Batland Bears continue this, this tremendous run that we've had since the 80s. And I'm just so proud. And I'm, and listen, I thank you, Jason, for recognizing and having me on. I think you can tell from my voice that I'm just overwhelmed and so grateful and, and, and honored that my name would be associated with, with this great era. Well, it's very cool. I, I actually took a couple of pictures off of your Facebook page, one from the 29, or your uh, Twitter page, but one from the 2019 gathering. And then there's yeah. an older one that everybody has hair, including yourself, which is great. <laughs> But it's, yeah. <laughs> it says NAI National Basketball Champions. I know you didn't win the national championship, but what year is that pitcher from? That's from the 84-85 team. Okay. And uh, that was just before we went out and played uh, and played on national television. And Billings was electric, Jason. We were, here we got – we basically ended up the number 32 seed. We were playing the number one seed in Fort Hayes State, and we gave them everything they wanted. I mean, we battled those dudes – we, we did not win that game, but boy, I'll tell you what, it was, there are no such thing as moral victories, but man, we played our tails off and, and that was taken literally right before we went on the court. And, you know, I told this story too. Uh, there's a gentleman named John McClendon. Uh, if, if you have any questions about coach McClendon, uh, just go out onto Google and, and put uh, Mark Adams ESPN, the secret game. And you'll see an article that I wrote about it back in 1944. I wasn't alive then, by the way. But back in 1944, when John McClendon, he was the head coach at, at uh, North Carolina Central, which at that time that was called North Carolina College for Negroes, mm-hmm. and Duke, Duke Medical School was undefeated. His team was 26-1, and one, and he sent a, a messenger to play a game. Now, this is during Jim Crow laws in Durham, North Carolina. They weren't allowed to play. So the Duke players snuck over across town on a Sunday morning when everybody was in church, and they played a game. And, and North Carolina the coaches' team, Coach McClendon's team won 88 to 44 that day, by the way. And I met John McClendon, who's a tremendous civil rights leader in his own right. And, you know, I, I, I kept the towel. I have the towel in my office that I had on my shoulder. In fact, that that you see in that picture, it's literally five feet away from me right now. I, I kept that oh, towel over the years. And I used it to honor Coach John Thompson this past weekend. His coaches draped a towel over their right shoulder. And I used that to honor not only Coach Thompson, but his mentor, Coach McClendon, and I met Coach McClendon in Kemper Arena in 1985, and I still have that towel today. You know what? What is it? 35 years later. Wow, that is that's a great story, and the story behind that game is fantastic too. And I actually read about it in Kansas City a couple years ago, and uh, I may have read your article actually. Um, but that's such a great environment. That's I love that tournament, and uh, it's. I hope I get to go back someday, and I know it's a little different, and it's going to be changing, but. Uh, I'll have to have you on to talk NAI tournament because that's some fun stuff. Um, Mark Adams, uh, and, and, Coach Drykosen, and Coach Drykos and what a job he has oh. done. He is the, he won a national title. Yeah, the you only know, one. And, and yeah, he's a good friend of mine, and and he he still gives that 80, 82, 85 era. You know, that's kind of when it all started. That's oh. when we started laying the foundation and. Bill's been wonderful, just wonderful to me. Well, he dresses a lot like the seventies and eighties, so. <laughs> when he's on the court in those green plaid pants. <laughs> I love Coach D. He's great. Uh, you also, Mark, we talked about this a little bit, but you've got a book uh, out on Amazon, and it's called The Coach and the Geek. 
building a kick butt culture. And I'm excited to read this, and I appreciate you sending me a copy. Uh, I can't wait to read it. But take me through this book because um, for those that weren't with us in March, this is an interesting uh, story. It's fictional, but it's it's yeah. a lot of real life in it. Yeah, it, it's it's loosely, maybe even not even loosely, <laughs> primarily based on many of the experiences I had uh, 17 years in coaching. And, and Rocky, uh, uh, you'll see in the book that Rocky, my experience with Rocky is very influential. It's based on a fictional school called Bozeman Tech. Uh, and they're playing Great Falls and Butte and everybody else, just like we did in the old Frontier Conference days. But really it's, it's based on uh, a story that my co-author and I, Jeff Van Fleet, he's the geek, and it's based on Coach Woodward, who is in the last year of his contract, uh, he's really struggling with the need to win and keep his job versus to do what coaches really should do, which is develop his young people into successful, sustainable, professional people. And we, we get into how to use technology and how we can communicate better, how we can listen better as a coach, how we can connect better. We did a survey, Jason, which was fascinating to me. We surveyed student athletes across the country, and we asked them, how many times do you meet with your head coach, one-on-one for 15 minutes or more? The options were once a week, once a month, or never. 52% of respondents said never. And the geek and I, Jeff Van Fleet, started wondering why. You know, when, when I coached, the most important thing on my agenda every day was to help my guys graduate, to be better fathers, better husbands, better people. And, and hopefully I connected on a, on a, on a high level. And I believe that I did. And so we started thinking, how could we use technology to enhance the experience between a coach and a player? And we did it in two ways. One way is on the floor where we've developed a platform called focus that you can track hustle stats things that don't take talent, just take concentration and effort. We also develop focus off the floor, and the book kind of gets into this, not quite to this detail, but it'll give you an idea, but also focus for, for off the floor where coaches meet with their players. They set specific activities that fulfill them, that, that help them to connect with people, that make their day better, and the coach and, and his players get together. And I actually did this, and this part of the book is very, very true as to how I connected with my players. After every chapter, there's a lessons learned. It's only about 160 pages. There's 40 chapters. So you can guess the chapters are pretty short. <laughs> and, and, it was, and it was designed that way because I'm sort of ADHD. And at the end of every chapter, there's a lesson learned that can be applied to business and then your personal life. And then you go on to the next chapter, and it goes through. A, I, think a, I think it's a fascinating read. Of course, I'm, you know, I wrote it, so I, I would believe that. But I think people, the response to it has been unbelievable. I mean, coaches have gone crazy over it to the point now where we are building a, 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 a electronic platform to assist coaches in how they can create a kick-butt culture. And I'm counseling them. In fact, I just consulted with Bill Dreykos in last week. There's going to be the first college program in the country to take on this electronic platform and this strategy. How cool is that? Wow. And I'm, I'm donating it to Rocky uh, for them to test it for us, really. But they'll be the first college team in America to use this. And we're excited about it between the book and, and then the actual 
plat- electronic platform that we are in the process of developing right now. It's a really exciting time. So it's Christmas time. Perfect. We also make donation to the V Foundation, oh, uh, basically in my niece's name, uh, because when we sell that book, we want part of the proceeds to go to the V Foundation. So go out to Amazon.com, The Coach and the Geek, Building a Kickbutt Culture by Mark Adams and Jeff Van Fleet. It's like seventeen ninety five for the hard copy. It's under ten bucks for the Kindle version. And again, part of the proceeds go to the V Foundation to battle cancer. And of course, you've mentioned uh, Marissa a couple of times, and you uh, she's doing wonderful. That's that's great news because she had such a struggle, as we all know, uh, Marissa Van Atta. But then to be able to get back on the floor, the you know, a couple of years ago, that's just so awesome. And I know that Coach Wes Keller um, just loved her to death. So, and we all do. <laughs> Yeah, we all do. And she's she's married now to Matt Jones. He's a great guy. I love him. I tease him all the time that he, he better take care of her or else I'm coming back to Billings to kick his butt. <laughs> Although he could kill me, by the way. He's a, he's a stud. He's an absolute stud. But but, but I love him. And, and uh, Marissa and Matt are just moving into their brand-new home in Billings. Wow. I mean, it's just a wonderful, wonderful story. She's, she's involved in services with RBC with her father, Larry. Uh, she's, she's taking all of her tests. She'll be a broker soon. And Marissa, I'm, I love you. I'm proud of you. And she also has an endowed scholarship. So the, between the Adams and the Van Adams, we are dominating the scholarship scene <laughs> at Rocky Mountain College, which is very cool. That is very, very cool. Uh, I've just, I have a lot of respect for what they've done down at Rocky the last, uh, you know, few years and, and I'm not calling Carol games anymore, but uh, always appreciated going down there and, and being at the Fortin center. It's just a great environment for basketball and those students. I mean, you guys, I guess, started yeah. it in the eighties and those students are wild now. Yeah. The bleacher creatures were uh, just very quickly. I don't know how much time we had, but very, very quickly we had one of our, the football team was like our, was just crazy <laughs> and they would dress up in these wild outfits. Well, one of the kids his name, I remember his name. His name was Timmy King. And Timmy had a pet tarantula. And not only did he have a pet tarantula, but he also had a belt with a plastic case that he could put the tarantula in. No. And back then, the, the bleacher creatures would come in, and they may have been slightly lubed up, by the way. <laughs> and they would come in, and they would march all the way around the court, okay? And then they would stop underneath the opposition's basket while they were going through the lap line. And Timmy King would take the tarantula out, and it would be crawling on him. You've never seen a more intimidated group of basketball players, you know, just running away from Timmy King and the tarantula in the Fortin Center. It was the best. I mean, and listen, and, I, and, and Jason, listen, this was the Wild West in the 80s. You'd get away with a little more than you could now. I encouraged every single thing. I'm sure. Right? Oh, yeah. Because I was only 25, 26. I wasn't much older than these guys, right. you know. So we all thought we were indestructible, and it was the most intimidating gymnasium in Montana, maybe in the country. It was nuts. That's, that's Absolutely be- nuts. That's better than the Cameron Crazies at Duke. Oh, yeah. We're, you know, those guys are amateurs compared to what we did at Rocky in the 80s. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, uh, I appreciate the time. Um, it's always good to catch up ever since we met in Billings a couple of years ago for the national tournament. Yep. And yep. um, it's uh, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. I'm looking forward to reading the book. Thank you again. The Coach and you the bet. Geek. Go to Amazon.com. Uh, Mark Adams, appreciate it. And uh, stay safe. Um, I've had the COVID, but I've recovered, and I seem to be doing Good. better. But um, it's for real. So, so keep yourself yeah. safe, my friend. 
Well, listen, you, you always come on air so well prepared, and I always feel so comfortable visiting with you. That's not an easy thing to do as an interviewer, so keep up the great work, Jason. I really appreciate it. I appreciate that. We'll talk to you soon, sir. Bye-bye. That is uh, Mark Adams. He's great. That story about the tarantula, though. Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, is there anywhere else like that? I mean, we know how awesome the Cameron crazies are at Duke, but a tarantula crawling around. <laughs> oh, go to Amazon.com. Get his book. Uh, check him out. Uh, Enthusi Adams on the Twitter. Take a quick break. We're going to come back and check in down at Fort Worth, Texas. Becky Christensen Mapston joins us next. Jason Walker Show. Hang on. Jason Walker here, and I want to tell you about a great place that's going to make you feel better in just an hour. Ocean Spirit Massage. From deep tissue to hot stone and more, Ocean Spirit Massage will get your sore, tired muscles feeling like new. Whether you overdid it working out, hiking the hills, playing golf, whatever it is, or even if you're pregnant, you will walk away feeling better than you have in years. Book now for yourself or make it a couple's massage. And gift certificates are always available as well. Visit OceanSpiritMassage.com or call 417-0542. Yes, it's true that Montana is a long way from the Gulf Coast, but you can bring that Cajun flavor home with a stop at Cafe Zydeco. From po'boys to classic sandwiches, Cafe Zydeco has all the best Cajun in town. Are you in the mood for seafood gumbo or crawfish etouffee? Maybe you're craving jambalaya with some shrimp and grits. Head in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or call ahead for pickup or delivery. Cafe Zydeco will fix all your southern cravings, even on a chilly Montana day. Cafe Zydeco is a proud sponsor of the Jason Walker Show. New vehicles keep coming, and Capital Collision Center keeps earning certifications to repair them. They're Helena's newest GM-certified facility. No matter the make or year, they repair your car to manufacturer's standards and requirements, maintaining its safety and value. Montana State Law says it's your vehicle and it's your choice where you have it repaired. Choose Capital Collision Center, certified in GM, Subaru, and Nissan, and Helena's only shop certified in Honda, Acura, and Ford. When you value safety, go to Capital Collision Center on Euclid. Welcome back, Jason Walker Show. This segment brought to you by Mark LaRoe Photography. Mark's calendars are out. They are fantastic. He is one of the most awesomest photographers in the state of Montana, and really anywhere. And uh, he's got scenic landscapes of Montana and also cowboys of western Montana. You can go to MarkLaRoePhotography.com and get your calendars. Great, great Christmas presents. Not going to keep our next guest waiting too long. We've already kept her waiting. But uh, she joins us via the phone from somewhere between Fort Worth and Arlington, Texas. And her name is uh, Becky Christensen-Mapston. How are you? I'm good, Jason. How are you? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We've been uh, trying to get you on the show for a little bit now because uh, rodeo um, schedules are busy. But you're doing something awesome down in Fort Worth. And before we uh, we talk about the rodeo and stuff... Uh, what what are you doing down there? Well, I actually, you know, I'm actually somewhere between Fort Worth and Stephenville, Texas. Okay. And <laughs> and it's 
it's a beautiful 69 and the sun is setting. So it has been warm down here. It's wonderful. It's a nice uh, trade off from winter weather in the Pacific Northwest. But my Aunt Vicki lives down here in Granbury and it just happened to work out this year with the finals being down here for about, from about 2014 till 2018. My aunt and I hosted a show at Cowboy Roper Marketplace at Mandalay Bay every year in Las Vegas. And then that was off of our podcast that we did for many, many years called Peace on Country. And so after 2018, um, I got really busy with the Columbia River Circuit and everything I was doing over there. So we took a hiatus, worked on a pet project that I have that we can talk about later. But um, we're doing a little segment at the Texas Cowboy Hall of Fame called uh, Cowboy Boots and Rodeo Boots. Because mm. with, with the finals being here in Dallas for the first time since 1959, or ni- I guess 1961, it was here for those three years. Uh, our my grandfather, her dad, uh, was one of the first stock contractors that came to the NFR, and he was also a pickup man. So it's it's pretty. There's a lot of a lot of history, a lot of legacy, a lot of roots that go in there. So we're just interviewing those that are still here and with us and sharing their stories because their stories are our stories, and um, just highlighting all the great things that happened in the first year and how far we've come now, despite even with with COVID, we're able to have an NFR. Which is really cool, Becky, too, because, and I know I did a poll and everybody unanimously voted that it's got to stay in Vegas after this year, but everybody can agree that Arlington, DFW, they've all come together to put on a great show in really short time. And, I mean, they've done a nice job for Globe Life Field. Absolutely, and Globe Life Field. Now, I've, I've been both at AT&T and Globe Life. I was at the American a few years back, and that was a massive uh event center to hold a rodeo in and then you add Globe Life Field in and it's it's a beautiful, beautiful facility. My husband and I attended on the first night for our anniversary and I really thought at first maybe there wasn't that many people there, but when you sit down and you look around and you look how deep and how high that stadium is, there was a lot of people there. And they did a great job despite COVID and, and everything with the social distancing and the masking and everybody was following protocol. Um but yeah it, it's it's been an interesting year. The, the rodeo is great. The arena is huge, and you can see everything. Um, my husband likened it to when he used to ride Bronx. Uh, he likened it to the Houston rodeo. Okay. So, you know, you know we're, we thank Texas. We thank Fort Worth and Dallas for being able to put it on. Um, and it definitely has its, its uniqueness. But, again, it you know, the NFR town belongs in Vegas. I completely agree. Becky Christensen Mapson joining us. By the way, happy anniversary. It was, what, just a couple of days ago. Um, so, and your husband, Gray. So, that's is it, what's the relation to Ryan? Because we all know Ryan on the Cowboy Circuit as well. Yeah. Gray and Ryan are brothers. Gray okay. is his older brother. And Ryan was the 1997 World Reserve Southland Riding Champion. And he and Gray both broke wrong. Gray just also back in the day was doing a lot of um, horse racing, loping training stuff. Okay. So Ryan, Ryan is definitely in a whole map the family. They're well known within Montana. Amber, their sister, is down here in Stephenville and is married to Randy Schmutz. And she was Miss Rodeo Montana, and I think she was third runner-up at Miss Rodeo America. So they, they're homesteaders. They are well known, and that is why you see me in Montana and uh, why I moved over here. Because when I married the Mastins, there was no taking uh, Gray out of Montana. <laughs> that is that is very true. Um, because you're from Oregon, and you yeah. did a lot of work with the Columbia River Circuit, like you said. Um, take me through this last summer, because all the circuits have had issues 
with the lack of rodeos and the fact that we even got to an NFR is just impressive as heck. But um, it, it was a struggle for all of the circuits this year. Oh, it was a complete struggle, you know. And it's hard not, even as a, as a girl, it's hard not to get emotional because I, I'm really tied to both the Pacific Northwest. I was born and raised in Roseburg, Oregon. My roots are in Oregon, Washington, and Idaho, now in Montana. And um, so to watch this season just slowly fall apart, you know, we knew we knew in, Mar- in March that our first rodeo, which was Redmond, um, that High Desert Stampede was going to get canceled obviously because it was right in the heat of it. But we thought, you know, come come June, come summer, we'll be out of the woods and, and we'll be rodeoing. But they just kept knocking off and knocking off. And I think for at least for our our circuit, the Columbia River circuit and our team, our first rodeo was actually in Big Fork, Montana, because Big Fork is a co-sanctioned rodeo with Columbia River Circuit. So that okay. was the first time our circuit cowboys got to get outside and and rope and, and actually experience a little bit of the, of the normalcy of rodeo and then of course you had Libby and um I, gosh I think those were the two sanctioned rodeos that they had here in Mon- up here in Montana but our circuit ended up maybe two two rodeos out of 54 in our circuit so it, it was tough and I the same with California first frontier all those and, and I hate to say it but you know all those tax states on the on the coast Mm-hmm. were really hit hard. So Texas seemed to be where everybody went, and I know in talking with my contestants at the rodeos and, and at circuit finals, it was really just a matter of finding the rodeos to go to. Uh, everybody was competing at every rodeo, so it made you know, winning that much tougher because there was that many more people entered. And, of course, they were traveling a whole lot further to win a lot less money. So it was definitely a unique year, but the fact that the PRSA was a you know, able to come up with a six million dollar purse and and do the things that they did, it, it really is phenomenal. Becky Christensen maps and our guest here, Jason Walker, showing the Mike Miller State Farm Hotline. I had world champ, tie down champ from last year, Haven Medjid on, and he said that like you drive normally, you know, he went from they said someplace in like Nevada to Montana overnight, like twenty hour drive, yeah. and they passed five cities that they normally would have stopped at because they didn't have yeah. rodeos, and you know, you're looking at so much travel nobody's making any money. I, I, I know what the numbers say with the top 15, <laughs> but there's there's not money being made with those guys and yeah, guys. And you know what's funny? And you know what's funny? Just a little a little bit of history. We interviewed yesterday on our show uh, Clyde Frost, Lane Frost's dad. Mm-hmm. And um, he was at the 1959-60, and then he was out in 61, but then was at the finals uh, in the Saddle Blanc and Bareback Riding there in Los Angeles for the next few years, their total earnings were $6,000, $7,000, dollars back in those <laughs> years. So when you're looking at the numbers now and we're saying that's even right now the numbers are low and it's pretty much cut in half and you're looking at, you know, anywhere from forty-five to $80,000, that just goes to show you how much and how far rodeos come and even yeah. despite COVID. So it is, it's just been, it's been a tough year round and, and I don't think a lot of people understand that if these cowboys that are full-time cowboys aren't rodeoing, they're not providing for the family. Yep. And so it's not just shiny lights and, and arena and, and having fun in the arena. It's their job. It's work. And they need to make a living as much as anyone else. Well, and, and two, you know, and I talked to Will Rasmussen earlier in the year about this in March, was the stock contractors that yes. had to sell stock because – 
they're, it just costs too much. If they're not bucking, they're not making money. And, no. you know, so it was just sad all the way around across the country in Rodeo. And, of course, here in Montana, we felt it. The Columbia River Circuit really felt it, too. And it's just frustrating. Uh, Becky Christensen Mapston joining us, Jason Walker Show, while she drives somewhere. So Stevensville, or Stevensville, Texas, that's the home of, like, everybody. Like Trevor Brazil, <laughs> yeah, like all these guys, right? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a sign when you drive into Stevensville that says, home of the champions. And there's a little Lone Star Arena, and it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. It is loaded up with either barrel racing trailers or broken trailers. So there's always something going on. And, yes, there's, I mean, if, if you're in the Northwest and that's where your home is, you're here in the winter. Right. So it's a great place. It's a great place to grow. It's great. It's a great hub. Close to a lot of different smokies that are out here in the uh, hill country or whatever they call it down here. And it's beautiful and it's warm. So yeah, I don't blame them. But yeah, everybody. Charlie Crawford's here. He's a Northwest guy. Tyson Durfee's down here. Oh my goodness, who else? Is, oh, I ran into. I was when I first moved my daughter down here, and I went to Walmart and I watched someone walk by me, and I looked at him and I said, "What is that, Clint Corey?" <laughs> <laughs> Medjid just bought a place down there too, so for miles. <laughs> it, it won't surprise me. That's where you got to be. That's where you got to be. No, Cur- Curtis Cassidy's down here. I know that's where mm-hmm. Jesse Brown and, and, and Blake Knowles were, were warming up for, for the, their trip over to Arlington. And yeah, they're, I, my, my cousin who just moved down here from Oklahoma, bull rider Brett Custer, he's down here. Uh, yeah, a little bit of everything. And I gotta tell you, Haven. Little sharp guy that he is, man, he can rope some calves. I have been watching the calf roping this year, but I'll tell you what, you better keep drawing Corey Solomon because he is not in there, and I think he's sitting third right now. And I talked to uh, uh, a lady the other day on my show about this, and it's really cool to have two African-Americans, and we know how great Fred Woodfield was, another Texas guy. Yep. But because yep. Corey, uh, Caleb Schmidt tested positive for COVID, Corey slid into that you know 15 spot. And he's taking the mo- making the most of it, but him and Shad Mayfield, and with the way that this country has been this year, and you know too with Oregon and Washington and all of that, to have two African-American Cowboys in the NFR right now says a lot about the world of rodeo and how we are a family. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And we have two uh, young uh, Southland riders in our
Uh, speaking of roping, um, which uh, we were just talking about, the first ever national finals for breakaway roping. And this is a cool deal for women. And I know the barrel racing's yeah. been there forever. Um, but when you look at a, an NRA rodeo or a lot of PRCA rodeos added breakaway this year, or especially yeah. the college and high school circuits, goat tying, breakaway, and you know even team roping, and aside from barrel racing, we're seeing more and more women. And this is an opportunity to really stand out. And Jackie Crawford wins it even after giving up a uh, calling of penalty on herself yesterday. And uh, what a great time for women in rodeo. Oh, yes. And in fact, uh, I was talking with Gail Warner. She's a rodeo historian. She was a guest on our, sh- our show. Um, she has just recently finished a book that's currently in printing about the history of women and professional rodeo barrel racing and the barrel racing and, and the original, you know, where that all came from and how it came to be. And it was actually just it, something I learned. It was called the sponsor race when it first came out. And uh, you really couldn't even go back to the grand barrel. So the fact that barrel racing has come as far as it, as it has over the years, and then to see breakaway roping really just make an impact. You know, Jennifer Casey, she's in uh, my circuit in the Columbia River Circuit, and she's one of the founding members that really got behind to get this push to get it into the CRCA rodeos. And when I talked to her in sample um, last summer, she said, you know, I'd love to see this at the NFR. It would be a great addition. And I asked her, I said, when do you think you'll see, you'll see it and we'll, we'll see women, at, you know, in the breakaway open at the NFR? She said, I'm going to say 2024, 2025. So I think she missed the mark by just a hair because I don't think she really knew how much momentum it would be because women needed an outlet. Women needed more than just barrel racing to be able to, um, really have a full-time career, and so I'm super proud of them. Jackie Crocker being six months pregnant, riding a 15-year-old horse, and I think she won the average by, uh, like, she would have given up by $3 if her and the other gal that she was, uh, you know, running against would have beat her. So, I mean, the margins were tight, but she pulled it out, and, you know, she's one of the founding members as well, too. So just kudos to the women because we are definitely a force to be reckoned with. Oh, absolutely, Becky. And is there a chance that we'll see – NFR expand and include breakaway? And when would we see a, a, a woman competing in team roping in the NFR? I don't I don't think it's that far off to see it now. I mean, women can compete. Uh, gosh, there was a gal out of, I think she's South Dakota, well, she's Canadian, in the South of Bronx Riding. She was real competitive in the PRC. I can't think of her name right now. Um, I know in the Columbia River Circuit when I was younger, when my um, dad and family were still supplying stock rodeos, um, Dickie Beck was a bareback rider. I mean, women are in there, just not as affluent as you are. As, you, know, you, you don't see them very often. Right. But it's really going to be, it's really going to be what they want to do and what they don't want to do. Um, you know, it's, with the two different sanctioning bodies, it's just a matter of with rodeos, the, the rodeos themselves have to ride it into the ground rules. And if they ride it into the ground rules, then, you know, the women are welcome to eat it. But I don't, I don't, I would, I would think, I'm going to stick with what Jennifer Casey said, 2024, 2025. I think had this been a normal year uh, in Vegas, this, you know, if they can keep that that event at a two and a half, you know, two hour to two and a half hour event, it won't be long before it'll be in the performance of Salvation Island. That would just be awesome. And, you know, we're, I look at the college where, you know, Michaela Witter from Helena Capital, who's now down at Western, and she just was at a big uh, uh, roping um, and, and you look at the Rasmussen girls, Paige and Shelby, and, and oh, there's yeah. just 
unbelievable ropers. And that's what they're 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 moving away from. Girls are in in juniors and high school. They're moving a lot away from you know the the pole bending and the goat tying and stuff, but getting into more of the roping. And you're seeing college teams that are both women, and I think that's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, my my uh, cousin Amy was I, I can't remember it was 2000, she was uh, WCRA uh, champion, world champion. So they're out there, they're doing it. It's just it's just the two different sanctioning bodies and and the CRPA um, ground rules being written and each team you know. Submit your approvals to the CRCA for your rodeo, whether you're in the Montana circuit or the Columbia circuit or whatever circuit you're in. It's all about what, you're, what the, the directors of the rodeo side move from. And I think that's where Jennifer Casey has really worked with the Columbia River Circuit Rodeo pitching um, this idea of having breakaway roping. And what it ends up doing, and I think what's really helping it, to be honest, is breakaway roping is giving the fans another. Um, view uh, tie-down roping without the whole tie-down roping. So mm-hmm. it's a great offset to the tie-down roping, which has been under so much scrutiny over the years because of the animal rights activists and which is silly, but nonetheless, yeah. uh, it is a fact. And so I, I think it's a, it's a great add-on uh, to any rodeo that's looking for Maybe they don't have a specialty act, but they add a regular roping, and there's something else to give their fans to watch. It's all about the Another final question or two for you. I appreciate your time. Uh, Becky Christensen Mapson joining us. She's driving between Stephenville and Fort Worth, Texas as we speak. Um, the, I, I, I don't want to call them political statements for the opening ceremonies, but they've all had a great theme. And I think the PRCA has really gone and done a great job with its opening ceremonies this year. A, we get to see them, which is even better um, for those of us not there. But what's your thoughts on the opening ceremonies and the, oh. some of the statements that have been made? I think they're hitting, hitting it out of the park. I think they're, they're uh, we in the Western world, we're, I'd like to believe the majority of us are conservative patriots, and we love our country, and we're, we're all about our military and our police. We back the blue. And uh, at the same time, we, we love and respect and are respecters of all people, but we're not going to be silent. And we're going to show the, the sporting industry that we don't cave to any political party. We are who we are, and we'll always be who we're going to be. And we're going to salute our flag. We're going to say our prayers. And we're going to shake hands and say thank you to our military and our, our first responders. And we're not going to apologize for it. That's a, that's, I can't even add anything better. That just makes complete sense. I've showed a couple of them uh, on the show here, and uh, the one the other night was um, the video they showed, the three-minute video about why we stand at rodeos, and it was oh. one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Was that the one with, with Anthony Lucia doing that one? Um, I think so. I, think I don't so. know if he did the voiceover on that one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just you can't go wrong because really in the climate that we're living in, uh, you've seen it in the NBA, the, the ratings are down. Um, you're seeing it at the, even in football. You know, you've got the back and forth, wishy-washy, it's a stand, don't stand, deal, don't deal, in the locker room, not in the locker room. It's, it's that famous thing, you either stand for something or you fall for anything. And I think PRCA is making it very clear where we stand. Well, it's uh, they've done a great job. I uh, have enjoyed watching the first seven nights. You got round eight coming up tonight, and uh, it's going to be even more fun to watch. Um, if you can send yeah, a message, how did, you, how 
How did Montana get Richie Champion? That's what I want to know. That, <laughs> that freaking rally pulled him. I was like, oh, that's right. He was in Stevensville. Well, because what is his wife from Canada, and so she wanted to be closer to home, and Kayla Bennett was already there, yeah. so Richie moved over. Kayla- <laughs> yeah, I realized. I'm like, oh, that's right. They've been down. They were down in in uh, you know, south of Missoula there for the Brigham Rally in Stevensville, and mm-hmm. they just decided they'd stay. I, I get it. I, I mean, Montana's a beautiful place. I'd want to stay too. That's why I did. Well, and you know, Richie's good friends with Jesse Davis, who had to retire. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the way he had to retire, but he's doing great, um, which is better. They they sewed up his stomach a couple weeks ago, um, so he's doing well. Um, that but, little stinker, he should have. He, he went out in 2000, I don't know if it was 18 or 19, I think it's 2019, he was supposed to retire. And them Cowboys, they just can't, they just can't stay retired. It's always just, it's a thought. It's never really a full action until they're forced to. So I'm, I'm glad Jesse's good. I'm glad he's safe. But last time I talked to him, he's just one Spokane and he was done after the season. So yep. I, I was, I hated seeing what happened to him. I hated hearing about it. But I'm just glad he's okay. And, you know, Rodeon's not an easy sport, that's for sure. No. Well, you mentioned retiring and never going away. I mean, Trevor Brazil retired what four years ago, and he's still fourth in the or fourth in the world now, in, in all <laughs> yeah. around for steer rope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go away, I'm Trevor. Go full, yeah, I'm not going to go full four, but I'll let someone else win the camp rope, and I'll just stick over here to the steer rope. Yeah. So, exactly. you know, hey, kudos, kudos to him. I mean. That's why they call him the king of the Cowboys. But I tell you what, Stetson Wright's coming up oh. behind him. So, I mean, that's pretty exciting. I'm kind of one of them old-fashioned girls. I was raised, you know, when, you know, Ty Murray was the world uh, all-around champion, and he worked both into the arena. And yep. an all-around worked both into the arena, which, you know, 90% of these Cowboys have at some point. So, they're really pretty much all-around. But Stetson really was wow. 21 years old. Well, that whole Wright family, Becky, is unbelievable. And, oh, yeah. I mean – you had the three. You had Cody and Jesse and and Jake, and then now you've got Rusty and Ryder and Stetson, and there's yeah. there's war of forgetting. And, um, you know, another great all around champ. I think uh, Dan Mortensen from Montana too. Yeah, yeah. Dan rode about the same time Gray and Ryan did. They, it was always the F Hour Boys, the Mapson Boys, oh, the and, and the Mortensen. Yep. Ugh. Yep. Class acts in their own right, that's for sure. And then you got Deb Greeno, you throw him into the mix and man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I Montana's love... got some Montana's got some great cowboys and great cowgirls and you know, well I'd like to say, you know, personally the Pacific Northwest, Montana included, you know, that is the West. So yeah. I, I think you find a lot of them up here. That is uh that's there's no question about that. Will you uh, get a message to Lisa and tell her not to hit a barrel tonight, please? <laughs> yes, I will. My daughter actually went to and sat with her family at the final because I feel it's safe. So okay. she's a con. I'll tell them, say, Montana says quit hitting barrels. Yeah, she's hit five in the last two nights, and that's so yeah. uncharacteristic. It is. It is. I don't know what's going on. It could be It could be a newer, you know, a lot of those horses get really used to the Thomas and Mac. Yeah. You know what to expect, and they also travel to a lot of rodeos and a lot of arenas. So um, I know that third barrel there looked a little quick the first couple nights. But I think at this point in time, everybody should be pretty subtle to know that arena and that and where to, you know, where, how they need to turn or where they need to turn. But that was tough for last night for Lisa. So let me ask you this real quick before I let you go. Um, they're, they're, uh, they're raking in between yes. halfway through. That's not happened at the NFR before, and at least in, to my knowledge. Um, why this year starting no. it? Is it because it's a bigger arena and more standard pattern? I think, personally, 
because they do, I believe, have breakers. No, they don't even have breakers at, at Thomas and Max. No. Amberly, um, Amberly always saying how her and Paige would get out there, and if she was at the bottom of the list, she always had to dig out of one of those. I can't remember the second or third, but I can only figure. I don't really know the answer to that. I can only figure in watching how it was set up that underneath that dirt is a layer of possibly plastic covering over the grass. And I don't know if that's real grass or astroturf, so I don't know if that's why they're doing it, because I don't know if they saw that first night, that third oh. barrel was really slick. So I don't know if it's really soft brown, and you're hitting that, that you know layer where they've got the protections down. I, I don't really know the answer to that, but yeah, they are raking, I'm sure. And, and as long as they're taking care of it and making sure those horses are okay, that's what's most important, because one of those horses, if they hit wrong and go down, they're done. That is absolutely true. Uh, oh, by the way, real quick, we stole one more from Texas. We got Haley Kinsel after she married J- uh, J- uh, Jesse Lockwood. Or, um, yeah. Well, Jake yeah, Lockwood. you know they're not married anymore. Oh, they're not? No. When did that happen? You know, when you have a, when you have a 23-year-old, uh, you, you find out things real quick. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so she's back yeah, in Texas so now. Okay. She's back in Texas now. That's why she said Kinsel back is the last name and she is smoking her and then of course is it Emily with Chongo? Yep, Emily Miller. Yeah, those two are neck and neck. So, you know, there's a lot of good barrel races. I was really cheering for Amberly. Um, um, Mm. Oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank card. No, not Amberly Moore. Um, Cheyenne Amberly. Cheyenne Wimberly. Sorry, Lilda. Yeah, (laughs) Wimberly, Amberly. I keep saying it wrong. But yeah, so I was just, and Lisa, but you know, Haley, man, she is just smoking them. You know, every time she comes out of the arena. And then last night watching Emily, he hit it just two tenths of a second faster. It's like, oh my gosh, yeah. the time's just getting faster. But that's how it kind of is in those timed events. I mean, it's the same in the steer wrestling. Yep. Steer wrestling has been phenomenal this year watching it. Yep. And no Ty Erickson, so, there, which is crazy. But, um. I know. And did, what happened with Ty? Did he get hurt or something? Did he just not, I mean. I just don't think he went like as hard this happened. year. Yeah. I, he was working construction in the spring, so. Um, yeah. I, he didn't rodeo hard. You know, he just got married, what, two years ago, so. Yeah. And it's just, it's been a, it's been a weird year all around. I mean, a lot of our Cowboys, the fact that we even have seven of them is, is, you know, amazing. We could have had more. I know Levi Gray was kind of there on the, he's still sitting 16th and he's sat 10th for the longest time from the winter run. So, you know, it's, it's been an interesting mix. Of Cowboys and Cowgirls there this year. I don't know what it'll look like next year, but I'm excited. I like all the mixture this year. It's, it's neat, neat to see um, these young guns step up. Um, you look at the bull riding and oh. all these rookies. Um, I've really been rooting for Kai because he's a great, great kid. Yep. I talked him up in Big Fork and just, just humble as humble can get and loves bull riding. So yeah, I'm just, it's just been an interesting, it's I look forward to watching the rodeo, and I think that we got about oh I don't know twenty five minutes, and we're ready to go again. Yeah, I know, and I just I just every time you answer a question, it brings up another uh, question for me. Uh, why does Kai Hamilton have a southern accent from Australia? Because he's down here in uh, northern Texas right now. <laughs> I heard his interview Shocker, with Donnie right? Gay the other day, and I'm like, he's got a he must be from southern Australia, like Jesse Davis. He's from. Southern Utah, but he's got that draw, and it's just—it's absolutely nuts how quick you pick it up when you're on that circuit forever. 
Oh yeah, you say you get to saying y'all real quick. Well, then of course, and if you're around, if you're around Donny Donny Gay for any length of time, you'll start. <laughs> it is yeah. so good to have him back, by the way, on the coverage. Ah, uh, um, it is. Yeah. It is very good. Yep, uh, and we're is. excited. Tomorrow, our show, we have you know another. We have another world champion that from 1974, Jeff Copenhaver. Oh yeah. He he, he lives down here in Stephenville, and he's, he's my husband's best friend. He's going to join us on the show, talk about uh, you know living down here, and his dad was here in 1959. Um, Dad Copenhaver, he was uh, world champion, Sadlong 55, 56, right there with Casey Sids, traveled with him. So it's just, it's really been, it's really been interesting despite COVID to see how many of those long lifer lovers of rodeo, ex-competitors, retired competitors are, are here still supporting the NFR despite oh. the risks and despite whatever's going on in the world, they're here. And I think that's pretty great. Pretty great. Uh, two names I wish we were seeing more, Lindsay Sears and Sarah Rose McDonald. And Sarah Rose is now married or what? I don't know if they still are, um, to, uh, the steer wrestler. Yeah. And Lindsay Sears, I thought I saw her this summer, but you know, the, the thing is though, is here's the deal. I know with the barrel racing, um, especially like in the Columbia river circuit, even though we had two, three rodeos. Um, again, like I was talking about with the, the ground rules and the rodeo approval, uh, we had two rodeos in the Thunder River Circuit, but one of them that was able to hold Lakeview didn't have railroad race, never do have railroad race. So wow. our girls didn't get to go. So again, it's just, it's, a, it's been a really interesting year. I'm just praying to the, you know, to God and everyone that next year gets a little bit more normal. And I think if we can adhere to and get through this COVID stuff, I'm thinking 2021 summer will be all right. I hope so. Um, I got to have you on again because this is awesome. Absolutely. Seriously, you're just yeah, a wealth yeah. <laughs> of knowledge. Um, so is there a way people can watch your stuff? Sure. If you go to um, – it's all going to be on um, Facebook and – um, of course, it's on any of our should be on any of our sponsor channels, but our Facebook page is just CD Promos, P R O M O S, CD Promos, or just our personal Facebook pages. Um, Rodeo Roundup should have it posted, and I'm pretty sure American Hat Company should have it posted on their page too. Very cool. Uh, thank you so, so much. Yeah, please for, go watch it. Yes, thank you so much for your time. Um, Absolutely. And I'm glad you were driving safe. Probably made the drive a little bit more bearable because then you're not listening to music and chatting with whoever. <laughs> well, then, <laughs> it worked out great. I just pulled in and up to my daughter's house. There you I go. Ride, so this works great. There you go. Becky Christensen Mapston. You can uh, check her out. Uh, CB Promos on the Facebook. Uh, appreciate your time and uh, enjoy the, the final couple of go rounds, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Jason. Have a good night. You too. That is uh, Becky Christensen Mapston joining us. Mike Miller, State Farm Hotline. Yeah, we're running over. It's okay. It's our show. We can do that. Um, good stuff to learn, though. That was in, that was awesome. And Becky, uh, we'll we'll do a that's what she said. Brought to you by Dinners Done Right. Make sure you stop by Dinners Done Right and uh, get all of your weekend food or all of your necessities for the next few weeks um, at Dinners Done Right. Unbelievable. Call ahead. Tell them what you want. They'll make it. That's on the menu. And for menus, go to dinnersdoneright.com. All right. On this day in history, it is December the 10th, the Dewey Decimal System Day. 
Because on this day in 1851, Melville Dewey, American librarian educator, was born, created the Dewey Decimal System for libraries. It is Human Rights Day. It is Nobel Prize Day. Alfred Nobel, 1896, um, died. But he also uh, founded the Nobel Prize Ceremony on this date and uh, also invented dynamite. It is National Logger Day. Uh, let's see here. A couple of quick uh, ones. 1919, the National League voted to ban spitball by all new pitchers. You had uh, Australian Women's Open. Martina Navratilova in 1983 wins her eighth career Grand Slam singles title. A couple of uh, deaths on this date. Walter Johnson, the big train, died of a brain tumor in 1946. Adolph Rupp, the legendary Kentucky coach, passed away on this date in 1977. Chet Huntley was born in Cardwell, Montana on this date in 1911, the NBC uh, newscaster, Huntley Brinkley Report, and uh, started Big Sky, basically. And uh, let's see, 1768, the first part, well, the first number of the Encyclopedia Britannica was published in Edinburgh, Scotland. There you go. Uh, oh, i got to get all the way back up to here to do, whoa, where are we at? Here we go, this. We're almost at the end of the show. What did we learn? And what did he miss? Time for the walk-off. The walk-off is brought to you by Cafe Zydeco. Had a great show today, and uh, normally we end at 5, but today we went a little bit over. And you know what? That's okay, because we had some fantastic guests, thanks to uh, Mark Adams and Trevor Funseth, Becky Christensen, Maps. And if you missed anything, you can go to jasonwalkershow.com. And uh, rewatch or re-listen. Uh, we'll give you the day sheet real quick for tonight. And uh, let's see here. Montanan Richie Champion is going to be on Northcott, uh, Northcott Masca's OLS Tubbs Spilled Perfume. That is uh, in the uh, bareback tonight, which uh, gets started here in about a half an hour. And let's see. Mason Clements from Utah is on Mental Illness from Sankey Pro Rodeo and Phenom Genetics. They have had, Sankey has had some amazing stock this year. Well, they do every year, but uh, it's been fun to watch down there. Saddle Bronc tonight, Chase Brooks looks like he's first out, and he'll be on Indian Burn from Bridwell Pro Rodeos. Uh, a couple of other great horses out tonight in the Bronc. Uh, Kid Rock from Brookman. You have uh, Miss Ellie from Frontier is out. Zaka Kibitz, Tiger Warrior from the Calgary Stampede. I mean, we're talking some great Bronx tonight. Uh, Robin Hood from Sankey is in the uh, re-ride. And bull riding, some of the bulls out tonight. Uh, let's see. Pickup Man is a good one. Diddy Wah Diddy from Andrews had a great run the other night. Uh, chiseled from Powder River. You also have three guys out. Trevor Kastner, Parker McCowan still out. They were out last night and tonight. And adding into that, Tyler Bingham. Now, Tyler Bingham was knocked out cold last night in the bull riding. He actually stayed on the ground for a while, and it was uh, it was not a good situation for Tyler Bingham. And I saw today that uh, Justin Felisco, from the, who does a lot of stuff with the PBR, uh, texted with Tyler Bingham today, and Tyler... Uh, texted back and said he was doing okay. Um, he was still in the ICU, but he had six or seven broken ribs. And um, 
trying to find that uh, that post again from Justin Felisco, and uh, six or seven broken ribs. Here we go. Found it. Uh, broken sternum, broken left clavicle, and bruising of both lungs and his heart. But he's gonna he's gonna make it. So he's out at least tonight and tomorrow. They said. I'm guessing he is done for the uh, for the NFR for 2020. But best best wishes to Tyler Bingham, man. It was quite the wreck last night, and uh, he should be uh, he's going to be doing a lot better. There is uh, there's no doubt about that. But that's the price you pay for bull riding sometimes, and it's uh, it's a scary situation when guys get hurt. But um, Yeah, because he got stepped on, and it was just a. Uh, I think we have the the video of it, which we'll get to um, as soon as it pulls up here. In a second, maybe. Anyway, um, yeah, here we go. Courtesy of uh, PRCA and uh, the Cowboy Channel RFD TV. Uh, by the way, the coverage has gotten a lot better. And tomorrow we're going to be talking to Jeff Metters, the voice of. The Wrangler National Finals Rodeo on television, uh, sitting there with Butch Knowles. But we'll talk to Jeff Metters tomorrow. Also, Rody Demers from Phillipsburg will join us. He is a great youngster and just took second in the uh, all-around at the uh, Junior National Finals Rodeo. This is Tyler Bingham's ride last night, and you could see he got, uh, he got rocked pretty good. And as you watch it, it was... Uh, we watched it live last night, and it was scary. But we'll talk to Rody Demers tomorrow. The bull can't make up his mind which way he wants to go, but he comes down, but he hit that horn on the way down, so he was out before he actually is flat on the ground. See if we can watch it. Boom. Right there. He's knocked out. Misses one leg. Oh, stepped right on his chest. That bull stepped on his uh, sternum and clavicle and broke it. Crazy. But uh, Tyler Bingham's going to be okay. So round eight coming up tonight down there in uh, Arlington. The uh, walk-off brought to you by Cafe Zydeco. We told you tomorrow, Jeff Metters, Rody Demers will join us. Thanks to the mop, Trevor Funseth, Mark Adams, Becky Christensen, Mapston. If you missed anything, go to jasonwalkershow.com. Uh, we'll have that uh, uploaded soon. Monday, TV's Robin will join us. Burt Ward. That's right. We're going to talk to the original Robin on the Jason Walker Show coming up on Monday. But join us tomorrow as we wrap up the week. Jeff Metters, Rody Demers, Jason Walker Show is presented by Capital Collision Center. Have a great Thursday. We'll see you back here for a fantastic Friday at 4. It was produced by the Jason Walker Media Company. Any reuse, rebroadcast, or retransmission without the express written consent of the Jason Walker Show is strictly prohibited. Just listen, watch, and enjoy.